All right, let's return back to the text we just read, and I want to draw your attention uh, to verse 15. Uh, verse 15 of 2 Timothy 3 says that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Tonight, we've taken for our subject, Seducers, the Scriptures, and Salvation of Children. Seducers, the Scriptures, and the Salvation of Children. It has often been erroneously represented by some that the Bible, the Scriptures, are a book that are is so profoundly obscure and mysterious that only people of higher education or people of higher learning or people with extreme intelligence can possibly understand or can possibly know it. However, to come to such a conclusion such as that is really to commit slander against the divine author of the Scriptures. To say that the divine author, Almighty God, would give a revelation of Himself with the intent of knowing Him, and then ultimately say that He cannot be known except by those of extraordinary intelligence, would be the pinnacle of foolishness. But rather, the Scriptures, we would agree, contain some things that are easier to understand than others. It's like a body of water. There are some places that are shallow where you can easily wade in them, and then there are other places that are very deep. Some places so deep that as you look into the abyss of that depth of that body of water, you can't see the bottom. It's dark, it's mysterious. I heard it just today that God has given us what He wants us to know. Really, we're not to search beyond the Scriptures. We're supposed to know the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul, of course, no one here would disagree with this statement, was very well versed and very well acquainted with divine revelation. He was very well acquainted with the Scriptures. Being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, the Apostle Paul, in his previous life, had a great knowledge of the Scripture, although he didn't have a knowledge of the Savior, and which, will, which will teach us something here in just a moment. But Paul, you don't see in his writings telling people that they could not understand the Scriptures, but he does the exact opposite of that. He tells them that you could even understand the knowledge that he has, and you could understand the knowledge he has in the mystery of Christ. It reminds me of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes these words, he says, Whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by his Spirit. We see in our text that as Paul wrote to Timothy, he teaches very clearly that even children may know the Holy Scriptures. So tonight, we really are dealing with the knowledge of the Scriptures. Intentionally, there is an emphasis being placed on children, but I hope tonight you didn't come thinking, well, this is just a message for people with children, parents. Uh, this is a reminder to all of us of the importance and the urgency in which we need to live with the knowledge of the Scriptures. We see that Paul gives a very dark picture of the last days. He calls them perilous times. Now, certainly the last days, we could count those from the time of the cross until now. We've been living in the last days for 2,000 years at least. So times are perilous. Uh, these are not just things that are happening now that Paul makes mention of. They are things that have been happening, although I would say that we can certainly, as we read that as our scripture reading, I think every person in this room is kind of either quietly nodding your head saying, yes, we, we see this, we hear it, 
Um, we're seeing evidence of this in the days and a, day and age in which we live. But I also think Paul, as he was writing to Timothy, uh, he understood that Timothy was going to see those and that it was already creeping in. But you'll notice he does not paint a pretty picture. He paints a picture that is uh, very dark. Uh, it always strikes me that all of those characteristics of the last days, it's the marks of a very self-centered society. It's the marks of people who are really all about themselves. It's the marks of people who really have no desire for the ways of God, but only have desires for pleasure. Uh, Paul uses terminology like lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Talks about them not having natural affection. People that break covenants, they're truce breakers, they're false accusers. Incontinent, basically they're unrestricted. They're fierce, they're despisers of people that are good. They're traitors, which means they will easily turn. Uh, there's no faithfulness. Uh, they're very heady, which is an interesting word. It has the idea of being very reckless, high-minded. To be high-minded is to be blinded by your own pride, be blinded by your own conceit. And yet, Paul says they have a form of godliness. And this form of godliness, rather, is just a something that resembles what we might say, humility or piety, but it certainly isn't. And Paul clearly says, from that you must turn away. And he goes on, and, but then he gets to verse 10 and he tells Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. Now Paul is not saying that this doctrine is mine. He's not saying this doctrine is something of my creation, but he is saying the doctrine which I have proclaimed, the doctrine of the Scriptures. That's what he says. But he also says it's not only the Scriptures that he knew, the doctrine, but it has affected his manner of life, it's affected his purpose, it's affected his faith, his long-suffering charity and patience. In other words, what he believed about the Scriptures, what he believed about doctrine, had a profound, obvious effect on his actual living, on his life. He goes on to say, I went through persecutions. I suffered greatly for these things. I endured. And he said, but gloriously, the Lord delivered me out of all of these persecutions. And then he reminds all that will live godly. And I think we should sit up and take notice of this. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you will live godly in this world, you will not escape persecution. And he says all that and he continues to warn Verses 13 through 17 is really admonitions, exhortations, edifications. But he begins with warnings. And he says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says there will be people who have the goal of seduction. Now, seduction is a word that can be used in a lot of different contexts. It can be used in things we won't mention here tonight, but to seduce is to attempt to draw away from or to draw into sin. We'll leave it at that. But he says those seducers will wax worse and worse. In other words, Timothy, it's not going to get better. You're going to be facing seducers. Now, he gives a characteristic of these seducers by saying that not only are these seducers going about deceiving, but he says something about those seducers. He says they're actually being deceived. Not only are they doing the deceiving, but they're also being continually deceived. But then Paul makes a statement that's not random. He says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Paul confidently says that Timothy has a working foundation. And he says, you can continue in that which you have learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. In other words, you have a sound doctrine to live by. You've learned them, you've been assured of them, and you know who they came from. That's the entire key to understanding what we're going to deal with tonight. 
And as we get back to the text, Paul acknowledges when this started and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Tonight I want us to consider not only the importance of children knowing the Scriptures, but the importance of all of us knowing the Scriptures. So we see clearly that Paul writes, as he writes to Timothy, the Holy Scriptures may be known by children. Now Timothy had known them from a child. Timothy's life is one that We don't have a lot in the scriptures about his childhood, but we do have a very important verse that reminds us and shows us where he learned these things. But it doesn't appear that Paul writes about anything about his intellectual character. He doesn't talk about Timothy's intelligence. He doesn't talk about Timothy's education. He just says, from a child, thou hast known the scriptures. There was nothing in Timothy that distinguished him. He was not a, 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 a prodigy child. And I think it's important that I say that. Timothy was a child just like all of us and just like the children that are in this room tonight. He was a human child. He was not endowed with anything more than what you and I have tonight. But we can make a conclusion that if from a child he was taught the Scriptures that it would be more than fair to say that we can teach our children the Scriptures. Now again, notice he says that from a child thou hast known the Scriptures. Therefore, these are the things that, the doctrines that he had learned, the things that he was now agreeable to. That's why Paul says, continue in those things which you have learned. Now a little bit of background from from the Jewish perspective, especially. The Jews very early taught their children the Holy Scriptures, very young age. Some of their writings and some of the Jewish writings actually say in their books from their very infancy. It's the terminology that they use regarding the teaching of the Scriptures. That's similar to what they're saying here, and that from a child. It's implied here, it's the same concept, that from their infancy they've been taught. Now, it's also was very well known with the Jews that when a child, and again, this doesn't mean this is the uh, magic age, that it was very well known that when a child reached five years of age, it was very proper at that point to begin very deeply, intelligently teaching them the scriptures. I want you to think about that for a minute, a five-year-old. We have some very close to that and very right on it. So I want you to think about that for a minute. Five years old, there was a diligent, intentional emphasis on teaching the child the Scriptures. Five. Now again, he's not talking about anything more than introducing the Scriptures to them. Okay? Teaching them. We know passages like Deuteronomy chapter 6, or at least I hope we know Deuteronomy 6, Uh, It's the basis of much of what we understand as parents. But Deuteronomy 6 talks about teaching children. And we'll start in in verse number 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Now you realize they're pretty much covering every waking minute of every day ought to be consumed with teaching them diligently the Scriptures. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. This is a cultural thing we don't fully understand, but these uh, were phylacteries. There was a little tiny scrolls that were placed upon the wrist that contained scripture. There was also, as it sounds, frontlets placed right between their eyes, a tiny little scripture that was a reminder of the importance of scripture. Now, we don't see anybody in our society doing that, 
But what its intent is, is to show you just how important it was for the child to recognize the importance of learning the scriptures. They were continually being reminded. But it also says, thou shalt write them on the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Everywhere you look, these scriptures, the word of God is being placed. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. Houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware lest thou forget the Lord. We read in, in Psalm 78 about the sad affair of forgetting the Lord's works. You would be amazed at how much we forget. Um, we could talk tonight about how much we've learned. You can talk about how much education you have. But ponder for a while how much you have forgotten. It would astound you if you could keep a record of how much you have forgotten. And I'm not just talking about because of age. I'm talking about just the natural process of forgetfulness. The saddest thing could be to be brought up in the scriptures and be brought to a place where you forget them. Now what we know about Timothy's mother is Timothy's mother did raise him in the scriptures. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 Paul, when he introduced the second letter, says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Uh, Timothy's what we call had a heritage of family, his mother and his grandmother, all part of the process of teaching him the scriptures. It really is an application point where we get and we say, you know, once a, uh, once a, a grandparent, a rich book of grandparent, you're not really responsible for the teaching of those children. Uh, I would say you have another amazing opportunity um, as a grandparent to teach your grandchildren. It doesn't end because your children grow up and leave the house. You have another opportunity. Because of that early rising of, in Timothy of the knowledge of the scriptures being trained. Again, this is not, and we'll talk about this in a moment. This is not random teaching. This is, in, this is intentional teaching of the scriptures. This isn't just kind of throwing a scripture in the way and saying, okay, here, chew on this for a little bit. This is actually teaching them. Timothy, no doubt, became very, he became very equipped. Now again, it's under the divine influence. It's under the influence of the Spirit that he arrived at an understanding of these things. We're not talking about he arrived because of his intelligence. Divine assistance of the Spirit brought him to understanding. It's a practice that all of us as Christian parents ought to try to use as our example. We ought to say, what are we doing? What have we done to intelligently and intentionally teach our children the scriptures? Or are we letting someone else do it? And I would submit to you tonight that it is not fully the church's responsibility to teach your children the scriptures. It's actually first and foremost on the parents. Now, prayerfully, you, they will hear the exact same thing that you're teaching them but God gave the responsibility first and foremost to the parents to teach their children. Not to the exclusion that the church never has to be involved. Matter of fact, if it's all working together well, you are going to be training your child properly in the scriptures. But it's the parents' responsibility first and foremost. We are to nurture them in the word. We are to admonish them in the Lord. Uh, you maybe parents have not thought about this, but even in your correction of your children, you ought to use Scripture to correct them. You ought to point to Scripture as to why what you've done is wrong. Instead of just saying, because I told you so, it ought to be, here's what the Word of God says about what you just did. At five? Sure. Sure. At 15? Yeah. At 18, yeah. At 21, yes. 
When they're grown and on their own and they've sinned? Yes. Scripture. See, that's the knowledge of it. It's a very wise advice to bring up your children in the ways of the Lord. We all like to quote Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I've had many conversations with people that says, look, I did exactly this and my child departed from it. The Bible says what it says. Train up a child in the way he should go. Sometimes we say, I wonder why my child departed from it. Sometimes maybe it was because we didn't train them properly. Sometimes it may just be that they are that very, very, very depraved rebel at heart, which we all are apart from God's saving grace. But the Bible says, train those children up in the way they should go. The way they should go is based on what the scriptures teach. That's the way they should go. From here, Paul takes occasion to commend the Holy Scriptures. He talks about the nature of them. He talks about the character of them. And he refers to them as the Holy Scriptures. Now again, there's nothing wrong with referring to the Bible as the Bible. But do you realize that Paul refers to this as something greater? He says it's the Holy Scriptures. The word holy there meaning the sacred text. The very words of God. The very mind of God. So the Holy Scriptures, they may be known by children. Number two, the Holy Scriptures must be properly read by children. Now this will be a little practical in some places and I hope it will help us. But when we talk about child reading and we talk about children being able to read the Scriptures... Children ought to be able to read them. Now, Paul did not mean being able to read them in the original languages. That's not what he meant. He did not mean that they were linguist experts, right? But rather, they should be brought to the place where they can read them for themselves. Now, of course, that's going to be age appropriate, right? He's not saying at five years old, you can set the child down and say, I want you to read Genesis to Revelation cover to cover and then give me a report on it. But what he is talking about is when we think about reading the Scriptures, it's to read with an intent to understand. The Holy Scriptures is mentioned here in order to distinguish it from other writings. They're called the sacred Scriptures or the sacred text intentionally to point us and direct us away from that which is profane, that which is corrupt. The author of them, of course, of the Scriptures is the Holy Spirit of God. God used human penmen to breathe out the Scriptures. And they wrote as God breathed out His Word. But they are the words of God. These penmen that wrote the Scriptures, they were holy men of God. They were men that God chose to write these Scriptures. But Holy Scriptures means more than just a division between that which is good and profane, but it also is talking about the content of the Scriptures. It means that the, the topics and the subject matter that you are reading about is holy subjects. Not only the laws of God, but the Gospel of God, with the Scriptures having an intention of promoting not only salvation, but a life of holiness. In other words, the Scriptures are meant to influence how you live. So we, they ought to be able to read them. Secondly, we ought to teach our children how to read them with attention, reverence, and in prayer. It's been said, I don't know who they are, that the Bible is the world's most read book. Yet how many people approach the reading of the Scriptures in a manner that makes absolutely no sense? Instead of reading the Bible or the Holy Scriptures in a consecutive order or reading them in a manner that makes sense, like you would read any other chapter book, if your child has to read a book for school, they usually start with chapter 1 and they read through chapter 12 and they read everything in between. 
They don't just turn to chapter 5 and say, something in chapter 5 looks good, something in chapter 7 looks good, and then come to a conclusion as to what that book's about. But do you know that's the number one way people read the Bible? They thumb through the pages and find a couple of verses and they read that verse, but they don't ever take time to read it consecutively or read it with context in mind. They don't make references to what, what's the subject here? To understand the Bible, to read it with attention, and to read it with an intention of understanding, there must be some sort of a regular order reading of that Scripture. Do you realize all of us, if we're left to ourselves, we're all directed and drawn to portions of Scripture that become our thing. You will be drawn to whatever's going on in your life, and you'll continually draw to that. Some people only read the Scriptures when they get in trouble. They're having a trouble, they're having a crisis in their life, they go to the Scriptures and they, they find the passage that gives them hope. But the Bible was not meant to just be kind of picked through. And I would suggest to you, and again, this no offense meant here, it wasn't meant to just find a life verse and then live by that life verse. Most people's life verses, if they know what the verse really means, would be astounded that they took that for their life verse because of the context in which they grabbed that verse from. I would want to know why that was my life verse in the true context. So what, is, what, do, what does that mean for us? Well, that means we teach our children how to intentionally read the Scriptures. Now, parents, I would tell you this, and I'm not speaking as an expert tonight. I'm just telling you, Teach your children how to read and give attention at their level and at their age. You cannot sit a five-year-old down and expect them to be able to read like a 12-year-old. Okay, you just can't do that. You have, to, you have to, but teach them to be very reverent when they read that book. Teach them that this is God's holy word. This is, this is the word of God. And we're not reading this like we read any other book. We're reading this because this is God's book. And read it with attention. Read it with prayer. Teach them how to find things that help them understand. Why pray? Well, because without divine illumination, the Scriptures just become like any other book. You see, the, the Holy Spirit's got to give us understanding. Teach your children how to have sound judgment. Teach them to always have a teachable spirit. The precepts, the promises, the doctrines that are contained in the Scriptures are given so that we can understand but we also know that the Scriptures do give us accounts of people's sin. They give us accounts of falling short of the glory of God. They're given for our admonition. They're given for our correction. There are some really tough portions of Scripture that are going to confront your children, and you've got to be willing to deal with them. Just today, I had to answer questions about the sin of Achan. And if you want to see a story that is absolutely mind-boggling when you see how God dealt with Achan even after his what appeared to be a very sincere repentance, that sin in the camp, because he disobeyed God's Word, he ended up by the law of the land, by the law of the Jewish laws, he was to be stoned and burned. Not just him, but everything he owned. His entire family. I had kids looking up at me and say, what's happening here? And all I could tell them is I say, that's the seriousness of sin. That's how serious God looks at sin. Now, you've got to tell the children at that point, this isn't what happens just every time you sin. You have to then connect that and say, listen, now let's talk about God's grace. And let's talk about how thankful that we are that we're not under the Old Testament law that said the minute that Achan stole and he clearly knew what he wasn't supposed to take, they said, do not take the devoted things. It's interesting that when Achan gave his confession, Joshua said, paraphrasing, tell me what you did. 
And Achan not only tells him what he did, he tells him specifically what he took, and he uses something he says, I coveted after. That was the very reason why he sinned. I coveted. Go all the way back. Go all the way back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Learn it from the Scriptures. There are tough truths. There are tough things you as parents and grandparents have to be prepared yourself to answer. One of the highlights of my, my being here over the years, and some of you parents are going to, you know I'm talking to your children, I'm talking to you, has been when these children come and ask questions. I have been amazed and floored from the very beginning some of the subjects that have come from this pulpit that these kids are actually hearing and they're saying, can you give me more information about this? But do you realize that you should be equipped enough too to be able to answer those tough questions? You should be able to say, look, sometimes I have to tell your kids this. I have to get back to you. Don't make something up. Don't just tell them what you think. Tell that child, get down to their level and say, listen, I don't really understand the answer to that question yet, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to treat this high priority. I'm going to find out this week and I'm going to tell you next week what I find out. Parents should be able to answer their children's questions. You should be so, uh, have such a knowledge of the scriptures that you can answer the questions of your children and your grandchildren. There's nothing greater than to have a child read the scriptures and then look at you and say, mom, dad, or grandma or grandpa, can you tell me what this means? Think about that. Think about the awesome responsibility that is there. You see, these scriptures are given to us and they're given by inspiration. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16. They're given by inspiration. It is truth without error. These scriptures are commended because they have effectual power in the Spirit. So the second heading is we need to teach our children to properly read the scriptures. Thirdly, the knowledge of the Holy Scriptures by children is of eternal importance. It's of eternal importance. Now I'm going to say this carefully. Knowledge in some cases of some subjects can be very harmful. All knowledge is not good. Now, I'm not talking about scripture knowledge. I'm talking about knowledge that the world offers. Or there is some knowledge that is only of a temporal benefit, or quite frankly, it's useless knowledge. There are some things in this world that you may know that's actually useless. It serves no purpose, it serves no value, or it's only temporal. You realize that the knowledge of the scriptures is eternal saving knowledge. It's knowledge that is not based upon something that is only of temporal value. The Scriptures are not given to us just to live a good life until we die. We are dealing with our children and grandchildren's souls. When you have a child who is seated at your dining room table or your kitchen table or in a desk, wherever you have them, and they're reading the scriptures and they're asking you questions, we are talking about knowledge that is of eternal importance. And I will tell you, it's much better than any other knowledge they're going to get from the entertainment and the things that they have. I'm not telling you they can't have any entertainment. I'm not... Sometimes we'll go to an absolute extreme and we'll just say, all right, everything now is scripture. There's a balance here. But you've got to be careful that the majority of the knowledge that's being instilled into your children is spiritual knowledge. Your goal and your prayer for your child is not to grow up to be the smartest child that the world's ever seen or the smartest adult. But you sure want them to be the most spiritual, not for pride reasons, but for equipping reasons and for eternal reasons. It's one of the mistakes I think the church has made for many, many years is they have negated the importance of supporting parents teaching their children. It's one of the great travesties of the modern church age is to take children and just say, all your children need is to be entertained. I can tell you in this day and age, your children do not need more entertainment. They do not need more. They don't need more screen time. They need less screen time. If I'm meddling, I apologize. They don't need more. And I will tell you as 
young parents, we knew the temptation to just simply say, I need a break. Watch this. Not saying that's wrong in and of itself. But that shouldn't be the norm. The knowledge that they need, they are going to learn things you don't want them to learn. It's already happening. Seducers are coming in to make sure your kids know things you don't want them to know. Those are the things the seducers would have our children to know. There are some things your kids don't need to know. Again, speaking generally, I've heard parents say this. Well, my kids just need to learn as much about the, everything they can so that they don't get caught up in it. You're making the worst mistake you can make by saying, my kid needs to learn on their own. I don't know other way to say it. That's foolishness. Well, they just need to learn. Yes, they need to learn. They need to learn the knowledge of the Scriptures. You don't want this world teaching your children. They're already intentionally doing it. See, this word seducers is a word that kind of conjures up in our mind this, this guy in the background wearing all dark clothes and sneaking around corners. These seducers are not just these guys that fit a profile. They're people that look normal. They look like they have good intentions. But their intent is to seduce. To draw your child away. Not just your child, but to draw you away. So the Scriptures and the knowledge of them is important, number one, because the Scriptures reveal the need of salvation. Paul's next statement is, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. I think we're well-versed enough to know that salvation was not based of our own wisdom. It wasn't because we came to a conclusion based on our own intellect that we are naturally, rather, without an understanding of spiritual things. Conceived in sin, David said. Children, whether we want to say how precious they are when they're first born, they're born sinners with a natural inclination to sin. And because of that, they don't, aren't born naturally with an understanding of spiritual things. So how do they learn spiritual things? Well, the things the Spirit of God teaches cannot be known by the natural man. Because the Scriptures say that they're spiritually discerned. But to think our children, or even adults for that matter, are wise in the workings of salvation would be foolish. But what man does, naturally, is he builds his own merit, he builds his own foundation upon his own righteousness, he determines his own morality, he determines what he wants his quote-unquote religion to be. When Paul says the Scriptures are able to make the wise unto salvation, Paul is talking about that it is the Scriptures that make men understand what salvation requires. Why a person needs salvation. Listen, I understand, especially for, the, for parents today who your child's not at the place of being converted. I understand that. But please don't rush that process. I understand that. I want to get this said as quickly as I can. Those things are only spiritually discerned. And it doesn't, matter what if, it doesn't matter if your child has a pastor for a father, has a theologian for a father, has a, has a theologian for a mother for that matter, knows the Scriptures inside and out. You cannot spiritually discern for them. The Spirit of God has to do that. And the best way for you to encourage that is to get them in the Scriptures. Paul says the Scriptures will make, are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The Scriptures tell us about the law, why the law is important. They show us the Gospel, why the Gospel matters. Shows men the way of salvation. 
So the Scriptures reveal need of salvation. Number two, they reveal a Savior. The Scriptures, in a large part, testify of Christ. They give an account of Him who is able to save, who is willing to save, who is the only sufficiency to save. He's the only Savior. Salvation which is wrought by Him. The Scriptures tell of people who were saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, who were saved by the Gospel. Now remember, it's not just reading the Scriptures or even hearing them expounded that's able to make men wise unto salvation. It's when those things are accompanied with the power of the Holy Spirit, effectual power that makes men wise unto salvation. What does the Word of God do? What does it do? It, through the Spirit, it removes the veil off of the eyes. Some of, you, some of you, even as adults, will say that it was as if in an instant you've been hearing it, you've been seeing it, you've been talking about it, but you couldn't understand salvation, you couldn't understand what was being said, you heard it week after week after week, month after month, and then suddenly it's like the light went on, the veil went up, and suddenly you could see it, you could hear it, and you could understand it. That all came as a result of the Scriptures with the effectual working power of the Spirit. It's when the, the Spirit enlightens the Scriptures with this effectual power, removes these things, gives light and knowledge in them that people can then be said to be wise unto salvation. Thirdly, the Scriptures also reveal sin. You cannot get around the reality of sin. Parents ask these questions all the time. When is my child ready to be saved? We're, we're trying to find a marker. We're trying to find, okay, when, when can this happen? Well, there has got to be an understanding of what sin is. Not just a list of sins, but why sin is an abomination to God. Sin cannot just be summarized by saying, well... Honey, it's just the bad things that you do. There's got to be a more of a knowledge of what sin actually is. Why sin, why God hates sin. Why sin has to be punished. Why God, who is holy and righteous, whose eyes are too holy to even look on sin, why can He not just ignore it? Now again, I'm not talking about seminary level here. But I am talking about there's got to be an understanding of what sin is before you're even having conversations about conversion. That's partly what's wrong with evangelism today. We are just zipping by the sin part and we're just saying, I just want to get this over with. Look, there's nobody in this room that does not want every single child in this church to come to saving faith in Christ. If that's not your desire tonight, there's something wrong with your own faith. And I hope that we all as adults and young people who are saved are praying that our children, at the appropriate time, God will remove that veil from their eyes and He will save them. I would make that a part of your daily prayer is to pray for the children of your church. And that they would have the reality, the real salvation... That's why we are so careful with how we deal with them in matters of salvation. That's why we have to be careful even about what we extend out to our kids because we do not want to undermine exactly what parents are teaching their children at home, especially if it's based on Scripture. Look, I've been involved in enough youth work to tell you the stuff that's out there would alarm you and scare you to death of what's being done in the name of God and being called evangelism. And kids going home to parents who have been trying to intentionally raise their children a right way and finding out they come home completely confused because they've heard something completely different and sadly most times wrong. Sin has to be acknowledged. They have to know that there's a reason and a need for their salvation and that salvation from their sin comes in no other but in Christ. That when they look to Christ 
It is in his righteousness they are depending fully upon their justification. Again, these are things not at a seminary level, but they need to understand. And these are the things that as they grow in their knowledge of the scriptures, these things become more and more apparent. So the scriptures reveal sin, but they also reveal the way of saving faith. Paul ends that verse by saying, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Wisdom to salvation does not lie in the knowledge of the law that the Jew boasted in, nor in the works of it, at least not trusting in confidence in them for salvation. There's no justification before God, no acceptance with God for salvation in works. But true wisdom, true wisdom to which salvation lies in faith, this is a spiritual knowledge of Christ. It's a confidence in Him alone. The salvation which the Scriptures make man wise unto is received and enjoyed through that faith. Christ is the author. Christ is the object because the salvation of sinners comes from Him. Your child must be brought to a place where they are looking to Christ alone for their eternal life. Folks, again... I can't begin to tell you how many conversations I have with people throughout the years who as adults are continuing to say and wonder, looking at everything, so many other things other than Christ alone for their eternal salvation. We have to get our kids grounded in the scriptures. Adults need to be grounded in the scriptures. Let me bring this to conclusion. The Holy Scriptures must be taught to our children. Paul goes on and he writes in that text, and I'll move quickly here. He says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly, perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It equips them with all that they need. We learn from this text, and there's so much more we could say, we learn from this text the importance of children being personally acquainted with the Scriptures in these last days. Our children need to know the Word of God. Again, we've taken on more than one occasion the position that our church takes about your children being with you in services. I've heard it more than once. And I've heard it said directly, that can't work. It's the only way that works if it's based on the Scriptures. Now, does that mean you can't do things on the side? And that's not what that means at all. But to say that it's impossible for a child to know the Scriptures, to comprehend the Scriptures, to sit in quote-unquote big church, You want to know why when a lot of kids who come out of churches that they've been separated when they're 18, they say, I can't believe I have to go to boring big church. Because we've entertained them for 17 years, and then they have to go sit, and they call it big church. I mean, I've seen 18-year-olds walking around saying, I've got to go to big church. You should have been going to church with the saints the whole time. You should have been together anyway. We've entertained them for so long, and that's why the numbers are what they are. 85% of professing Christian young people, the minute they get out on their own, leave the church and never come back. 85%. It's probably higher now. And we stand back and we wonder, okay, and here's often what happens. Well, the church is at fault here. The church may play a part, but are those kids being taught at home? Because for a lot of years, parents brought their kids to church and said, okay, children's ministries, teach my child. I'll pick them up in two hours. And then they never talk about the Lord the rest of the week. They never spend the scriptures. They never pray with them. And then they say, the church failed my family. Listen, we can help each other in this, but you got to teach the kids the scriptures. 
Secondly, we learn the responsibility of parents to diligently teach their children the scriptures. We won't spend any more time on that. I think we've established that fully. But then thirdly, the privilege of the church assisting parents in teaching their children the scriptures. Folks, all I can say tonight is what Paul was writing to Timothy about. He was writing about perilous times, and we certainly are living in those. But I think it also demonstrates to us an urgency that we have to have in teaching children the scriptures. Wisdom unto salvation is the spiritual knowledge of Christ which comes from the Scriptures. I can't give proper credit to this quote because I could not find who said this, but it's very simple and direct. He said, The Holy Scriptures reveal the complete salvation of the soul from sin, from its guilt, from the love of it, from the power of it, and from the corruption of it and of the salvation of the body from the grave and the eternal glorification of both. We're not just dealing with temporal matters. We're dealing with matters of eternal importance. That from a child thou hast known the Scriptures. I hope tonight we'll be very, very aware of the seducers that are attempting. I don't know any other way to say it. They're attempting to take your kids. And it's not by accident. And I hope, if anything, it, it draws us all to a greater urgency to teach our children. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Lord, I'm so thankful that you have given us the Scriptures not to just give us a good life, not to just give us a manual of how to get by in this world, but that the scriptures have been given to us that we might know the God of all creation, that we may be able to see not only our sin, but our need of a Savior. And through those same scriptures, we see that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He's the one who saves the sinner. And Father, we diligently tonight, we pray for our children, Lord. We pray for the children of this church. We pray for children in churches all around us, Father. We pray that we would be bold in our approach to teaching our children. That even if the entire world looks at us and, and wonders, why are you doing what you're doing? We do it because the Word of God is so clear in this matter about our responsibility and that our children may know the Holy Scriptures. Father, Thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to be able to help and to encourage and edify one another in these matters. Lord, may we, as Paul, I think, so clearly wrote, may we understand the urgency. May we see and understand and realize the days and the time in which we're living. May we not be like the scoffers who have said for years and years, where is the promise of his coming? May we live in the faith. May we live in the understanding and the assurance of the scriptures that we know. Father, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Christ's name I pray and ask these things. Amen.